Hi, glad you're here with us today. This is Krista with episode number 15 on the Wag Out Loud podcast. Are you ready for today's canine fun fact? Mutts or mixed breeds make up 53% of the U.S. dog population. Welcome to the Wag Out Loud podcast, where we cater to dogs and the people who love them, bringing you helpful tips on canine health care, nutrition, and overall well-being. I'm your host, Krista Karpowicz, and I am super excited to be bringing you yet another tail-wagging episode. Welcome, everybody, to the show. We are on Wag Out Loud, the podcast, and today we have Amy Budd, and she is the founder of Big Bear Pet Company and has been critter crazy her entire life. Her initial path in college was veterinary medicine, but after working in a clinic, after obtaining her bachelor's, and then realizing she was the worst combination of Dr. Doolittle and Dr. Harriet, it became obvious to her that that was not the best plan. Amy came to the pet industry almost 20 years ago, somewhat by accident, and she initially wanted to provide baked treats for both horses and dogs. Then her passion grew beyond the yummy treats for tail wags and whinnies into wanting to provide premium nutrition for beloved family members. As her knowledge base grew about the industry, it fueled the fire to provide real, whole food for pets that owners could trust. So today we have Amy with us. Amy, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate you being here. Oh, absolutely, Krista. I'm excited. So thank you for for inviting me and hopefully we can shed some light on a crazy industry. (laughs) Amen to that. And speaking of this crazy industry, let's dive right in on how to feed your dog without making yourself crazy. How many people are ready for this? And let's just say, well, not too crazy, but we all know that the pet food industry not being regulated like it should and with the, I don't know what to call, the marketing ploys out there on food and what are we to believe and all the recalls and the ingredients and where the ingredients are sourced. You know, we could go on forever. So, Amy, I am going to let you take it away. I know the question that I get most often is, what should I feed my dog? <laughs> yeah, that's a loaded question. I'm not sure we, yes, I'm not sure we have enough time to, you know, lump that into the 20-minute podcast. However, we'll do our best. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, so unfortunately, you know, you hit the nail on the head. There is uh, so much crazy right now in the pet industry. And a lot of that, I think, personally is generated from, from marketing. You've got a, a multi-billion dollar industry now. And a lot of big, big players jumped in it in 08 when the U.S. economy was not doing as well. And you had a lot of very large human food conglomerates that were buying up pet food companies because during that slow economy, the pet food business was one of the only businesses still booming. So consequently, uh, yeah, you've got a lot of big money involved now. You've got a lot of big marketing and it is very, very difficult, I think, to navigate the the murky water of, of the pet industry. So to try to simplify you know, and I guess I could go a million different directions, and I may defer back to you here of what questions are widely asked. 
because there are a lot of different things to look at for me when you look at the whole picture. I think one, you've got to take into account the person's lifestyle. You know, for some people who are both, you know, if it's a, a family situation and everybody's working and time is limited, resources are limited, you know, there still are some good kibble companies out there. If you want to go the more holistic route and you have the time and the energy to cook for your pet, great. Got some suggestions there. And of course, I'm in the raw camp. That's what I feed personally, my own animals. So of course, I always advocate for that first, but it is more expensive. A little different, you know, again, a little different path. So I'm curious, do you have a sense of what your listeners at this point are more dialed into? I think they don't know what they don't know. And being that there are so many different options out there from raw, which I also feed raw, home-cooked diets, canned, kibble, and as you know, we have the dehydrated foods, which are coming onto the market really strong right now. Uh, People want to do the best thing for their dog, but again, with all these different brands and with all these marketing ploys, what are they supposed to feed their dogs? Because you have so many people di- saying different things. They are in different camps. Right. You know, you have the people, raw is great. Raw is bad. And we, I think we just need to educate people on the options. And I love what you said that not every food is great for all animals, that you do have to consider the lifestyle and, of course, the cost of the food whatever you can afford, of course, would be the best. And when people ask me, I suggest they go to a boutique store first because those people have the super premium foods in their retail shop and they know about the products as opposed to just going to your grocery store and buying a bag of kibble. That's something that I do not recommend. Well, absolutely. Yeah. So I also advocate for sure mom and pop shops, um, hands down. And even a growing number of, of online retailers uh, are doing the same thing. So I guess, yes. Okay. Well, that helps me kind of guide the conversation. So yes, if I had to choose raw would be my, my first choice again, you know, financially, if you're able to do that, great. There are ways to feed raw. Um, I think even on a budget. And uh, I also advocate, even if you can't feed raw full-time, Some raw is better than no raw. And I think there are ways to integrate raw food with home-cooked diet, with dehydrated. I don't do kibble, and I can't really honestly say in my heart I advocate kibble, but I do know it's convenient. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And consumers, unfortunately, have been trained to kind of go that route um, for the convenience aspect. So... As far as the raw piece, I guess for for consumers that want to look at it, if you've got a home-based type situation diet, there is an easy way, um, I think personally, to kind of do the math and formulate a healthy ration. And I think this is where a lot of consumers get misled when they're uh, looking for information online or truthfully, I hate to even say this, in some of the mom and pop retailers. I I think we're making a a real mistake with a lot of dogs, even cats, with our supplementation of all of the vitamins and minerals. 
A lot of companies now are jumping in that bandwagon. And here's another thing, again, as far as regulations are concerned that people don't understand. Um, And the same holds true, of course, you and I are in Colorado and we've seen our, our CBD market explode. And there are little tricks, if you will, in the industry of how you label a product. So if you label a product as a chew, as a supplemental uh, product, as a a non-dietary supplement, that product does not have to be registered. And there are basically zero regulations that you have to be in compliance with, which is terrifying to me. Um, So there is no accountability for where those ingredients come from, how that product is packaged, where it's sourced. And, and the, the harder piece of this puzzle, and again, I'll try not to go down the nerdy pathway with, with too many regulations, you know, it drives me crazy, honestly, as a manufacturer, what isn't done in this industry. I'm one of those, I'm over-compliant. I actually process and manufacture my food to human food standards in a USDA human food facility. And I am only allowed, because I'm in a human food facility, to use human edible ingredients. What people really don't understand with commercial pet foods, and it does not matter, I hate to tell you that, whether it's raw, uh, dehydrated, home-cooked, whatever, if it is not manufactured in a human food facility, then anything that is labeled as, quote, meat, which is often the first ingredient, and that's what the um, consumer, whether it comes in a bag, you know, a home-cooked diet or raw, that's what the consumer now has been trained to look for is meat as the number one ingredient. And not all meat is created equal. Right. Again, mine is actually USDA inspected meat. But if you're looking at uh, any other diet that says, quote, meat, I actually now, I advocate rotation. I even tell my own customers, go to other manufacturers, you know, rotation of Proteins is important, vegetables is important, but also companies. Because where I am overcompliant and go above and beyond, somebody else may not. And, and I advocate, you know, truly feeding uh, nutrition over time. Again, I think our consumer has been trained, oh, I've got to have a complete and balanced diet every single meal. Mm-hmm. Well, dear Lord, I don't eat that way. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's just True. the reality. And it's unfortunate that we are training pet parents to think that way, uh, because I really do think that down the road, we're going to continue to see more and more vitamin toxicities as people believe that they need additional supplements and, you know, some of those additional things. I'm kind of getting off my meat topic, but this is such a complicated puzzle. It- <laughs> And I know trying to put pieces together, I guess, in a simple way without making people crazy is, is difficult. Well, you're right. I think a lot of people, they don't even know that our largest crops here in the U.S. are all genetically modified. Right. So most of the commercial dog food is going to have GMO, corn, wheat, and soy. Those are the top three crops. And our dogs are getting genetically modified food. I'm sorry, but that's not okay for me. And that's not okay for my dog. Well, and back to the, and and the same thing, I hate to tell you this is happening with the meat. So if, if the, if the meat is not from a USDA inspected source, uh, I I even had this happen. I, I went to a USDA human food facility. I said, great. I would love to buy your beef cheek meat. 
So cheek meat is very common in the pet industry. It's less expensive. It is um, still a high quality. In fact, that's what they use a lot in for the, if you go to the grocery, that's what fajita meat is. It's actually beef cheek. Mm -hmm. Gross. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) I was going from a USDA facility to a USDA facility and the facility I was trying to buy from, once they found out it was for pet food, according to their facilities guidelines could not physically release that shipment of meat unless it was tainted. That is awful. Right. Either with charcoal or some kind of dye so that it absolutely could not be confused with human food. So that's that's USDA to USDA. So I hate to even begin to visualize or think of what is happening for the pet food companies that are just buying quote meat. And that's pretty loose. Exactly. Yeah, I did my air quotes that you can't see but So what I really encourage consumers to do, I don't care what you buy, truthfully, if you're buying a commercial product, research the company, not the ingredients. Go find out, are they a privately held company? Is it one of the big human food companies that is actually the owner? I go as far, believe it or not, as crazy as this is, even though I was going to not make you crazy, I look up who owns the trademark. There's a product right now that is sold in the grocery stores, in the refrigerated section of the pet aisle. I don't want to get too specific naming names. I can name the name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I was curious when the product came out several years ago, because it's becoming more and more prevalent, I went to see who owned the trademark. And it's actually one of the largest human food chicken manufacturers. So I don't think I need to say too much more there. Oh, no. Right. Okay. So if that, again, you know, that should tell you right there, the quality. That's awful. Right. And what Amy is talking about, you should be looking at this for human food as well, but chickens that are raised, not cage-free, they're in cages and they are injected with growth hormones and steroids. And it's the same with the other meats. The cattle industry is just as bad and the living conditions for these animals are awful. So we are getting awful food from those types of animals. Can you just imagine what's left over for our pets? Right. And so the one of the recent recalls that came up was due to phenobarbital. And if you mm-hmm. don't know what phenobarbital is, that is the drug that is used to euthanize animals. And so yeah, that begs the question, okay, how does phenobarbital... <laughs> get into the pet supply. So clearly no one is monitoring the quote. And again, I've got my air quotes going meat that is going into those pet foods. So Amy, why shouldn't we just feed what our vet recommends? Oh, we see see the product in their lobby. (laughs) Don't vets know best? Okay. Well, I hope not to go down this rabbit (laughs) hole, but we're going to dive in. So You know, and again, I started down that path. So I I do cut truly veterinarians a good deal of slack. One, the nutrition portion of their education is so, so tiny. You know, they're trying to learn the system of a cow, a pig, a horse, a dog, a cat, a rabbit, a guinea pig, a snake, a turtle, whatever. I mean, they, they have to have such a broad base of all of those internal medical systems, they really don't have time to dive into nutrition. The 
I think, two weeks of nutrition that they get during their four-year veterinary education is actually sponsored and taught by Hills, Mm -hmm. which is now owned, again, by a very, very large, uh, Hills is no longer privately held, which it was in the beginning, and Hills has been bought out several years ago by a very large human, well, actually, human slash drug company. And they, and a lot of these companies are only doing it to leverage their bottom line. It is not about the ingredients. It is certainly not about the quality. It's, it's all about the dollars and cents. And unfortunately, they, they were brilliant with their marketing um, and their strategy. And I hate to say brainwashed a lot of the veterinary community, but, but that's basically what has happened. And so, and they're getting such a huge kickback from selling that product as well. Right. Which is right. Yeah. And so. Again, you know, that's the other piece of my puzzle. And again, I hate to give too, too much information, but I think knowledge is power. And, and this is the same model that is happening in the human food industry. And it's part of why our costs keep going up at the grocery store. You know, the normal, quote, chain of events in the industry is you've got the, the person like me who's the, the manufacturer. The traditional model is to go from the manufacturer to some type of distributor, from the distributor to the retail person, and then from retail to the consumer. The human food industry actually has an added layer in there. So you go from a distributor to almost like a sales broker, then the broker to the store, store to consumer. If you think about, you know, even if we just did say $5, say you bought a dog food can at your veterinarian's office for $5. So the normal uh, margin markup, actually, it's the margin that really is the important thing here. Um, I'm doing my math. So say your veterinarian pays $3.50 for that can of food that you just bought for five. Okay. So the manufacturer is maybe going to get, oh, no, we've got our distributor in there. Excuse me. So that takes it down to $2.45, which means your manufacturer is going to produce that for a dollar and 72 cents and that's nothing for them yet so let's say they don't get much of the pie we'll say they get a tiny margin yeah so that leaves you a dollar and 10 cents to produce that product can label ingredients blah 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 not enough to put anything of quality in there. So yeah, it really is. And so I really do advocate, you know, for the people that want to do their own cooking, I I think that people have made it much more difficult than it needs to be. You know, the the body, the human body, as well as the dog body, our, our bodies were really designed to deal with lack you know, everybody is to me is so hung up about, oh, I got to get, you know, this vitamin and that vitamin and, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but if you're getting whole food, you and you're rotating. Exactly. Again, you're back to the little bit of common sense of nutrition over time. So, yes, if you're feeding your dog nothing but uh, a chicken, you know, a chicken neck and you know, whatever the concoction is you put together and and you don't rotate, you don't change. Yes, you're going to be headed down a bad road. But if you are conscientious and you even rotate your proteins a little, rotate your vegetables, and I do advocate, I'm I'm in the camp, you know, you've got to me, the, even in the raw camps, it's gotten confusing with, do I feed the prey model diet? Do I feed the barf diet? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so for people that don't know, the prey model diet is more just strictly the meat and bone, whereas the BARF diet does add in the vegetables, some grains, there are carbohydrates in the diet. Yes, I- I'm more in that camp. I, I don't believe that, you know, yes, maybe on the DNA level, our dogs are very similar to wolves, but on a social level, not even close. No, they are omnivores. Right. And a lot of people think that you're strict carnivores. Right. And you're comparing a very wild animal to it, even though they're, you know, everybody says the DNA is not different. The behavior is very different. And we treat our dog, at least I treat my dogs, my dogs get cookies. And so I, I don't treat them like wolves. I, I do have balance. And <laughs> So to wrap up here, oh my God, you gave us great recommendations to actually investigate the company yes. or companies that you're looking at, the manufacturers, where are they located? Check out the trademark. Yep. yep. Who owns the company? Because I think as ultimately bottom line, that will tell you more information. And I, I think more and more people, because they're demanding that kind of transparency, look at their websites. Where do they source their ingredients? Absolutely. So yeah, I hate to say you've got to become a little bit of a detective because there are there. I, I really still in my heart of hearts believe there are a lot of phenomenal companies out there that are trying to do the right thing. That it's not just about the, you know, the ultimate bottom line. And we do have resources now, such as Whole Dog Journal, Dog Food Advisor, The Truth About Pet Food. Yeah. You know, they've done a lot of research for us and they have annual lists on all the different types of food, whether it's dry or canned, raw, dehydrated. So take advantage of the information that is out there and as Amy suggests, do your research. Yes. And of course, I I absolutely advocate, you know, Susan Thixton with the truth about pet food. One, because I've I've been on the list for several years, but she is one of the only lay people that's ever been invited to go and participate in the actual AFCO board meetings. And so she's gotten down and dirty with the pet food industry and really tried to hold some of these bigger companies accountable. And who, what is AFCO for those that don't know what that is? Oh yeah. So AFCO is, the American Feed Control, what is that? African American Feed Control. American Association. Yeah, food, whatever. Feed Control Officials. Yeah, <laughs> and they're, they're really not a, so they just provide the guidelines and the recommendations of what should be in pet foods and on pet food labels, but they are not a regulatory agency. There is, they do not actually enforce any of those regulations. The USDA and the FDA do. Correct. Well, Amy, thank you so much for being on the show and shedding a little bit of light on what is making us crazy with how to choose the right dog food. And I'm excited to have you on to tell us more about your company and your products, why you started it and what sets you apart. So I'm very excited to have you back on. Okay. Well, thank you, Krista. And where can everyone find out more information about you and Big Bear Pet Company? Sure. So we are um, online at www.bigbearpet.com. And there is an active coupon code for any of your listeners right now. If they type in W-O-L for WAG out loud, they will receive a 20% off discount on any purchase. So yeah, we've got a Fair amount of information there. And I do try very hard to respond. I'm the one that responds basically to any email questions or any inquiries. And I encourage people, good Lord, ask questions. Well, thank you for that amazing offer. Listeners, that 
that is something that you can take advantage of. And I've, I feed Amy's food myself. So I am a true believer in what she's doing and feel good about feeding that to my dog. So check her out at big bear pet. Just bigbearpet.com. Okay. Wonderful. Amy, thank you again for your time today. We so appreciate it. Yeah, you bet, Krista. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Wag Out Loud podcast. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to subscribe and we'd love to hear your comments. You can find out more by visiting wagoutloud.com and there you'll find great product recommendations and fantastic resources. That's also where to visit our Bark About It page where you can suggest topics, guests, or products. I appreciate you. Catch you next time.